Hello, Petrusarati. It's Jazz Galati from the Petrusa Dental Podcast. Now, next week on the Petrusa Dental Podcast, we're talking about rochette bridges and dentures. When you have an implant place, but you're not quite ready to do immediate loading, or as a general dentist, perhaps you're working with someone who places implants and they want you to fit this denture, or for you to fit a rochette bridge, how should it be done? So I've got Pav Kyra next week for that one. This episode doesn't have any CPD, but it's to inspire you. It's to share a journey, a story with you, a story of hardship, short story of struggles. The story is, of course, me and Mahmood and how we came to create OBAB, Occlusion Basics and Beyond. So whether you're perhaps at a venture whereby you're starting your own practice, you're buying a practice, you're acquiring a practice, or maybe you're starting a, a, a business within or outside of dentistry, then I think you'll find this episode useful because what we share is our struggles. Like this has been the toughest year of my life. My poor wife, she's heavily pregnant, we're expecting next month, uh, and I felt as though that I wasn't around enough as I should have been. Although I made sure that we went on holidays and I gave him my all, we went on holidays, but at home I was work, 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 work. Because when baby comes next month, I will not be able to create an online course. I can do my podcasts and stuff and I've got my work arrangements uh, around that to, to continue Petrusive Premium and the podcast, which I love doing. But the amount of work that's taken for, for me and my mood to put Obab together, I don't think I'll be able to repeat it ever again. Like it was it was just extremely tough. Like this morning I woke up at 4.30 a.m. to make sure that all the loose ends are tied up so that when April 7th comes, everything is gonna be seamless on the platform for the first cohort of Obab delegates who of course secured uh, the best price ever. So this episode is about the journey, right? Like what, what do you need to sacrifice to make this happen? What are the challenges you might expect from taking on a big project now? Like I said, that could be buying a practice, that could be having an educational venture like myself. So I'm hoping to inspire you to check out um, Harry Gill and the Dental Innovator podcast coming up. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Dental Innovator podcast. Today we are with Jazz and Mahmood and they've recently launched their Obab course uh, we're not going to go straight into that. We're going to talk a little bit around it first. Um, so Jazz and Mahmoud, thank you so much for joining me and giving up some of your Saturday to be here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us, mate. Oh, thanks for having us. Happy to be here. So uh, I wanted to talk about you two first and how you two came together and um, how, you've, how you've developed your relationship and, and, and why you've gone down the avenue of starting your own online course. Mahmoud, I'll, I'll let you answer this one because I think you've got the better story and the emails that you've recently showed me. So Mahmoud, take it away, mate. Yeah, it was, uh, it was strange, actually. So um, probably 2018, 2019, I randomly listened to uh, one of Jazz's podcasts and I thought, wow, this guy thinks a lot like me, you know, um, to the point where normally I don't bother like writing reviews or sending emails or anything like that. But I thought, oh, you know, this guy really, really sounds like he thinks the same way I do. So I thought I'll just shoot him an email just saying... Hey, you know, love what you do. Um, you know, there, there isn't really many people around. In totally fanboy me, man. Totally fanboy me. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> stoked the crap out of him for like two years. <coughs> and um, so we had a little bit of sort of email back and forth, didn't we? And uh, yeah, so the 2019, I actually showed him the email like last week. And he'd replied to one of my emails saying, um, you know, maybe one day we will be the Michael Malkus and Leno Chi of the UK, and these are two very, very sort of well-known um, occlusion educators, restorative educators in the States. And um, so yeah, there was just a random sort of back and forth for a while, and then... Um, our our philosophies are very much the same, Harry. So me and Mahmoud, our occlusion philosophies, the way we think about restorative density, uh, our humor. So, you know, we, we, we became mates from that, basically, uh, ch chatting regularly. Uh, and then one thing led to another. Eventually, um, I, I think I approached you, Mahmoud, right, about uh, OBAB. I came up with you like, listen, this is my vision. I, w I want you and only you to be part of it. And, 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 and you're like, hell yes, kind of thing. Yes. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that's how it came to be. I, I, I wanted to, I was compelled to do something for the occlusion world because I've had some um, successes. And I'll tell you what, I'm, uh, what, what I mean by successes. Right? I've had some successes in my first course, the Reservoir and Bridge Masterclass, uh, just going over Reservoir and Bridges. Uh, then the Splint course was a huge solo um, 
project which really took it out of me at the time uh, but um, that went great and what I my, my measure of success with these courses is how general dentists are now able to do things that they weren't able to do before. Just yesterday, Harry, um, someone on my uh, Splint course group messaged saying, oh, um, sent a video of um, his hygienist daughter who had an acute disc displacement without reduction. So uh, unable to open, the jaw moving off to one side, and he's like, what do I do? And so that morning I woke up, I got my this, this skull right here, I got this skull out, right? <clears throat> and I said, listen, you need to pivot. And I literally showed him what to do. I talked, I did a lie, I went live basically on the group, right? <laughs> That three hours later, I got a message back from him on the group saying, I did it. I managed to unlock her. This is what happened, whatnot. And just that success and that feedback is what's fired me, Harry. And then I want to do the same thing for occlusion, something that's uh, so confusing, but something that me and Mahmood love. So I'm so glad that Mahmood uh, took up the offer. Had Mahmood known how much work was going to be involved, <laughs> look, I don't think he would have accepted it. <laughs> Had my wife known how much work was going to be involved, yeah. <laughs> So that's how it came to be, mate. <laughs> that sounds cool. So you've, you've touched on it a little bit. What would both of you describe as your mission behind doing this course? What's the, the driving, the real driving force for both of you? I think it's occlusion made tangible, isn't it, Mahmoud? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, occlusion has been sort of uh, wreathed in a lot of uh, mystery and uh, confusion and... Um, you know, it just hasn't been taught very well. So a lot of people shy away from it. In fact, I met up with a cousin of mine that I haven't seen for about a year, like two weeks ago. And she's a dentist. And uh, she doesn't really get involved with a lot of CPD and stuff like that. She didn't really care about it. So she's like asking me, oh, how are you getting on? And I told her, you know, setting up a course, etc. And she's like, oh, what's the course about? I said, occlusion. She's like, no. Oh. <laughs> the conversation just ended there and then because just even the thought of it was like, nah, it, you know, it's voodoo. So, yeah, I think our mission really is to make it tangible, make it understandable for people. Make, make it, it fun as well. Apply, I feel like we yeah. made it uh, real well and fun. We made it in an engaging way, and that's what we wanted to do, basically. And same experience as you, man. I, went, I remember going to a Jason Smithson course uh, in Glasgow. I met a really nice um, Irish dentist, uh, and I said to him, we talk, started talking about occlusion, and he just paused because he knows that my, my, my podcast is a lot about occlusion stuff. He paused. And he literally made the yawning. Like, like, literally, he just couldn't care less uh, about it because, you know, people think about occlusion. They think of mechanoreceptors, 17 different definitions of central uh, stuff that isn't real world uh, and so I think that's why dentists switch off well a lot of advanced dentistry that everyone does these days occlusion and understanding occlusions actually paramount to successful outcomes long term so um, I actually lean on my wife who's done a restorative masters uh, for, for some of this stuff <laughs> so you might be empowering me to you know do it myself you know and not be asking, asking <laughs> well, do it ahead and asking for advice <laughs> Because yeah, there's, there's two ways of finding out how important occlusion is, and it's either you, you know, you get told by mentors or you know your uh, your friends, or you find out the hard way, and that's by having your pretty, you know, composite bonding, composite veneers, or or whatever it is you do fail, fracture, chip, um, and every time you do it, it chips, and you're like, what's going on? I'm using the same bonding material I'm using for everybody else. Why does it keep breaking? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's unfortunately how a lot of people find out that occlusion is important. Yeah, I think just to add to that, you, know, you asked a question about uh, philosophy. I think you know, occlusion made tangible, make it simple, break it down. But uh, our overarching philosophy for Mahmood and me, uh, for OBAP, is how to stop your shit from breaking. So I don't know if you're allowed to swear on your podcast, but we just did. So yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay, of course. Uh, so uh, how to st so make sure you click on clean, though, uh, as a submission to Apple. Otherwise, uh, the UAE <laughs> won't hear it. So it's fine. <laughs> Things you learn along the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're allowed one swear word, surely. Come on. It can be like yeah, a. We might break that in this, uh, in this podcast. <laughs> okay. So, you know that I'm interested in business. My podcast is focused on. Uh, first, it was focused on squat practice building and things. So, you know, this is a huge undertaking from a time perspective. Now, little old me has launched my own course on squat practice building, right? So I understand how much work it is, but you guys seem to have taken it to another level. So how have you gone in that direction? And, and, and some people will go down a direction of, I want to open practices. I want to be the head of this and teach my associates and mentor them and upskill them and do it that way. But you guys have taken a much more broad spectrum approach. Uh, how's that happened? And how does that fit into your characters? 
think um, I already have a background in, 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 in education, did a PG cert in dental education. First year I qualified, I did that, right? That was like uh, nine years ago because I knew I wanted to be involved in education in the future. Uh, and so uh, the, many opportunities have come for me to consider buying my own practice or because that's the next logical step, right? Associate, how do you then scale, scale up? You know, scaling is not I'm an associate in one practice, let me be an associate in five practices. The worst thing you could do. Uh, so you, you got the next step in terms of business and how to, to move up le- uh, many levels is to buy your own practice. And so if I did that, I think that would be the death of the podcast for me. That would be death of all the educational things I do. That would be death of uh, a lot of these uh, sort of creative. I love being creative. I've got history as a childhood making videos and stuff. So I wanted to incorporate that into, into, my, into my work. So uh, for me, it was about, okay, if I, if I buy a practice something, I wouldn't be able to do this. But just like I told you before we started recording, Harry, this is like, like our squat. Like, this is like running a practice. Like, I hear of all the stories of how challenging the first year of being a practice owner can be, how uh, sleepless nights and uh, difficulties and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think we've experienced that. It kind of feels like we've opened our practice, but it's all the energy and time has been pumped into creating something. And just like everything, there's a team involved behind this. Yes, there's IAS and stuff, but... The, the, the reason I'm able to have a somewhat uh, of a uh, life balance and whatnot is I've got a team behind me doing the podcast kind of stuff. They also do my course editing and whatnot. If that was not possible, this course would take five, ten years to make. But because I've got six of the people working behind the scenes to to get this course out there, uh, that that's what it is. And and so to have Mahmoud's knowledge, my knowledge, and then a team behind us to actually uh, get this fulfilled has been has been monumental. But you know, hats off to Mahmoud. Mahmoud's got three kids uh, recently. Uh, but partner of practice. Uh, I, I know how tough it's been for both of us, but Mahmoud, any, any insight you want to give on that? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's been very, very difficult, but I think I mentioned this uh, a while back, but you know what, even if you're tired, but what you're doing is something you enjoy or you're passionate about, it gives you the energy to go and do it. So nothing's ever stopped me from sitting down and starting to formulate how I'm going to explain something. Because, you know, going back to your original question, is how, you know, why did you get into education? <clears throat> I've always, you know, when you like sometimes you're sat at a dinner, and there's two people having an argument. You can tell that they're actually arguing about two completely different things, right? They're not talking about the same thing, and yet they seem to disagree. I've always been able to sort of get in the middle of that and explain like where the misunderstanding is happening, and it, that seems to apply to the way I've sort of taught as well. So whether I've mentored other associates or dentists or friends, we've got a lot of friends who are dentists. I've managed to just somehow figure out where the sticking point is. Because a lot of the time it, it was the sticking point in my own head anyway. And then figure out a way of, of explaining it. I just really, really enjoyed it. So that's kind of why I thought, yeah, actually teaching, helping um, is, is what I wanted to do. The, the whole like becoming a partner in a practice is actually just something just happened you know, again, by, by coincidence in terms of just too good of an opportunity to give up. But I had no intention whatsoever of, of ever uh, becoming a principal. Interesting. Interesting. So when you look at the online format, why is the online format better than in person? I mean, for me personally, I think um, there's several facets to it that make it not better, but, you know, for, for certain things, it is better. I don't think it can completely substitute the in-person learning and the hands-on stuff. But especially for very difficult, um, not difficult, but for very sort of in-depth things, sometimes you start at A, right? You get to B, C, now you're getting to D and you need to revisit A to remind yourself of how, how you got here. And the whole like online thing is you can, you can always go back, right? You can always mm. go back and watch it again. And I found, at least from my experience with learning inclusion, is I'd go on that first course and, you know, some of it would click, some of it would make sense. And then, you know, I still wouldn't be able to apply it. Then I'd go on another course, fill in a few more bits in between, even though it's the same stuff, but just more things are clicking. And then by the third or fourth or fifth course, okay, now you've got a more of a, an understanding of what's happening and you're just revalidating. Whereas now with, with online learning, you can, you can, watch it all you can then go back and watch it again you will pick up more stuff 
you, you can slow it down because I, I talk very fast. So whenever I've done my courses, I remember uh, I read the feedback very carefully every time someone gets their certificate for spin course. They, they have to feed in the feedback. Mostly good stuff. The, the odd negative is like, Jazz, you speak too fast. But the beautiful thing is that all these videos have got 0.5 times, two times. You can, you can do it how you want kind of thing. So that's the beauty of it. I'm also a big fan of just-in-time learning because just like my mood said, right, when that case comes along, you have to now open your book and go back to the notes and try and remember what that uh, instructor said six months ago. It's very difficult, right? Unless you apply something straight away, it's, it's, it's a waste of a course. But having this online uh, platform where you can revisit things and, and see that case, which is exactly identical to what you've got coming in Monday morning, that can really accelerate your, your pathway. And it's a different type of mentorship. I don't think that online is better than the real world, but lots of advantages, including, Harry, the fact that if me and Mahmood were to deliver this course in person, it would take six days. It will take six in-person days. And if someone's got 10 grand out there and want to pay us 10 grand for a six-day course, we'll go to Dubai, we'll hire a hotel, we'll do it, okay? But, but that's, 10, that's six days, probably a week away from family as well. Do you see what I mean? So there are lots of advantages for the learner and for the educator because you know what? I want more time with my family. Uh, and if I did, you know, every week if I was doing an in-person course, uh, that's very, very difficult. And there's more time away from my patients as well. So same with the dentists who come on online courses. They want to be able to not have to take time off work. Mm. That's, that's a very good point. Yeah, and I can def definitely appreciate that as a dentist and a practice owner myself, that time is massive. Obviously, I've got three kids as well. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I get you. So, balance. But, but that's a, that's a double-edged sword, uh, Harry, because, yeah. you know, the, the worst thing is that someone signs up for an online course and they don't have time to complete it. Yes, they're getting a massive sale because you save on the hotel fees, you save on the fly, etc. hotel, whatever, whatever. But you still got to make the time to, to, to do it. Like, How many associates do you have, Harry? Uh, about three part time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, as a principal, you get to a point where your associate, you know, who, especially the one who works on Friday, is constantly taking days off for courses. As a principal, I've had that chat before. Uh, a certain practice, a principal sat me down. I was like, Jazz, when's this going to end? When are you going to stop going on courses, man? <laughs> so, yeah, loss of earnings, time away from practice. It's not great for the principal. So, yeah, all those things. So, this is an interesting one. I, I, it's, a, it's a really recent thing I've been really tapping into is work life balance. And you've just kind of propped that up there for me. So, I'm, in, I'm, I'm always trying to get better at this. I've got a baby that's two weeks old and I've obviously got Congrats. two other kids. Thank you. And it's, it's a case of constantly trying to think about, right, my time is actually the most important thing that I have. It's the most valuable commodity I have. Forget about money. It's time. It's, you especially realize that when you've got kids. So how do you guys balance everything? And, and what, what metrics do you use to say, right, I need to prioritize this and then I need to fit things in and around it. And what kind of systems do you use to enable you to do that? Mahmood, I've got some systems, but Mahmood, you tell us, cause you, you're the one with three kids. I've got the one kid and that's been tough and I've got the podcast up, but like the podcast is like a child as well. So I've got two kids. Um, Mahmood, you've got uh, three real kids. <laughs> How have you done it? Um, well, you have to work around your kids, don't you? So really it's been, unfortunately it's been late nights and some, some weekends, uh, you know, when the, when there's light at the end of the tunnel, like I knew OBAB is going to be a big endeavor, but I knew that it'd be worth it. And when we're done, we'll be able to look back at it and, and, and be really proud of what we did. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, certain things took a hit, you know, my health. Um, I did cut down on my clinical days. Um, and yeah, I probably am not at home uh, in terms of the weekends as much as I would like to, but that is something that hopefully is going to be rebalanced. Um, soon, but in terms of uh, systems, yeah, I've, I've, with three kids, it's hard to find time for anything. Um, and my, you know, my commute is about an hour each way. Um, wow. So uh, yeah, it was it was burning the candle at both ends for sure. So um, whatever tips, Harry, you've got <laughs> from all the looking into this that you've been doing, let me yeah. know. And, and, and just, to, just to add to that, um, with the whole work-life balancing, it's just, it's just a tough thing. What's helped in my favor is the fact that I work a shift pattern. So I work an 8 a.m. till 2 p.m. or a 2 p.m. till 8 p.m. Uh, and that's given me you know, three to four hours a day sometimes, childless, wifeless, 
just in the zone, which is absolutely uh, amazing as an associate to have that sort of shift pattern. So that's really um, helped help me to, 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 to do all these things. Having a team behind me so I can just do the thing that I'm, uh, I, can, I can do, which is the content, uh, being in front of the camera, talking, doing my slides. But the stuff that the editing, the enhancing the audio, the transcribing, the making the PDF downloads. I've got a dentist working for me who do the computer things, right? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, th- that's how it's made possible. It's about leveraging your time. And so I know that if I'm doing the editing and this as well, I'd rather pay someone, paying a lot of money, but you know, it's got to be done because otherwise this course would never happen. So it's about um, teamwork, it's about leveraging, it's about using your, the system of uh, shift pattern for me has, has worked really well. Uh, and you bet when Mamu's been driving for an hour, he's listening, he's watching stuff, he's thinking about his slides, what he's going to do next, uh, how can he make the content, he's calling me up saying, I've got this idea, how can we um, teach this in a better way? So we're constantly sort of uh, thinking, there's no dead space, right? Toilet university, sat on the toilet, I'm thinking, okay, what can I do next? How, what's my next move, right? So it's always those things. So there's a lot of things there that we talk about in squat practice ownership is delegation of tasks and even uh, taking on partners. So when you're trying to build a project, you'd rather give away some percentage so that you can give some of the workload to other people so that they can help you actually progress and grow. Um, so there's a lot of these things that you've, you're kind of mentioning that are quite, quite congruent between the two different things, which is very interesting. Um, so what, what are your guys' approach to how long... So let's say someone's listening to this and they haven't got any idea how much work an online course actually takes. They hear about you guys saying work-life balance and all this stuff. How long did it actually take to make the content that you guys have done for this course i've got videos and content and cases like you know my has got cases got several years worth of follow-ups now he didn't know when he took those photos and they made that piece of content 10 years ago that he'd be presenting it in an inclusion course one day because it teaches timeless principles he didn't know that but in terms of um focused energy and undivided attention towards this uh, this project uh, it's been a solid year involving Mahmoud, myself um team protrusive which is four people team ias been you know in, in, with it for a year a lot more involved in the last three months as we're getting to the actual uh, launching and the actual website behind the scenes and that kind of stuff so it's been a huge operation with a lot of people and just like you said you have to give a percentage away you have to be partnership to be able to make sure uh, it, it happens if i did the occlusion course all by myself it wouldn't be as good because Mahmoud brings so much to the table in terms of uh, teaching things that I, I, I don't even do because he's, he's, he's got a lot more uh, diversity in, in, in that respect, but also shares the workload between me and him. So it, it, it's, it's a, definitely a team effort. Hugely. I mean, I think 12 months easily, if, it was, um, if we had to do our own editing, it would have been five years. Um, <laughs> it's true. And uh, easily. But yeah, it's a phenomenal amount of work. But it's um, like, yeah, so sitting down, writing lectures and then recording, probably, probably about a year. Wow. I, I would say one hour of content uh, takes around about uh, five hours from me, just me, just to uh, plan it on, a, on, 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 on Keynote, uh, another hour to actually record it, and then maybe behind the scenes for someone who's transcribing to doing all that kind of stuff, takes another 15 hours of the team to actually get it where you want it to be. And then I have to watch it again to make sure it's polished and crisp and good, and add B-rolls, add this here, make a download, do this. So I couldn't even tell you, but it's, it's too many hours, mate. Honestly, it's been, it's been uh, the toughest year of our life. And just going back to one point I forgot to mention, you said... You know, work-life balance, right at the beginning, I drew a line. I had to decide what things am I willing to sacrifice to make this happen. Just like you're starting a brand new practice, you have to decide, okay, these things I'm going to sacrifice. These things I can't sacrifice. I can't sacrifice my relationship. I can't sacrifice my time with my son. But what I did sacrifice, unfortunately, was my health. I haven't been to the gym the whole year. Like, I just haven't, okay? I don't do any exercise. I don't have time to. I can't wait to launch and, 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 and present this to well so dentists can start using our protocols, okay? So I can actually look after myself again, but I had to make that decision uh, that I can't, both look after myself and be my prime fitness and launch Obab within the year that I want to. Wow. That's, that's a very interesting insight because you, you, you are right. You actually end up in that situation where you only have so much bandwidth. So Mahmoud, you asked if I have any advice on the, on this matter with work-life balance. And one thing that I've done is just reduce my clinical time so that I'm only doing more advanced implant work, which is what I like doing. And then I've got more free time, which is literally free days to then do admin for the practice or doing side projects at the podcast and other things. So 
Um, that's literally what I've done in there. You're making a sacrifice in your earnings. Right? <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, it's one of those, but something's got to give, hasn't it? You know, something's I like being in the exactly. position. Once I established this position where I was picking the kids up from school or dropping them off, I liked having that touching point every day. So that became like, right, I want to be able to still do that. So then what do I have to do to be able to have that touching point with my kids like while they're young? Um, because you never get the time back, do you? You never get that Correct. time back. No. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, another really interesting thing because obviously I've, I've been in this process of making an online course myself and I've been doing a lot of it myself. And one thing that I say to my delegates is all about the conscientious approach. So when you do anything, you do it to the highest possible standard. How heavy a weight has that been on you guys? <laughs> Having a conscientious approach and making sure you're doing it to the highest possible standard. Cause I, I can already tell from talking to you both that you're perfectionists. <laughs> I'll tell you, I mean, um, so when we first started, I, I think the first three or four lectures I recorded, I recorded it and I took it to uh, what has now become sort of our, our, one of our best beta testers in terms of the, you know, the, the diligence of, you know, with which he reviews it. I took it there and I was like, can you please just watch this and tell me really, really what you think? And um, by the way, this is like, you know, a good, I don't know, it's hours and hours of work. To, to get to the point where I recorded it. And she was like, um, yeah, it's, it's okay. And I, immediately I was like, that's not good enough. So just deleted the entire thing, started again. And um, then you start, you know, you, when you're recording and, and, you, and you realize that maybe between like one section and another, you feel like, yeah, there is a connection, but something's missing. And then that created another you know, five hours of, of, of lecture writing just to fill in one point. Um, the B-roll, you know, the imagination that Jazz puts into it in terms of, you know, he's always like, oh, if you add just this arrow here and this writing here, it's like, it'll be just that much better. And, and you know, you, you do have to draw a line somewhere because honestly, we could have done another year of, of you know, of stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, we took it to another level. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, having the clinical footage as well, like video 4K clinical footage and knowing when to add that and stuff, you know, that takes a lot of time to make sure that the correct bits are going. So, you know, it, it's 30 hours of content minimum, 30 hours of online content minimum. That's a lot of hours, but I, I don't want to just like be one of those courses where, you know, 100 hours, is 100 hours really better than 30 hours because more? No, dentists want to learn something as fast as possible. But it has to be as long as it needs to be to deliver, you know, everything that we want the, the dentist to be able to do after the course and apply this protocol. So 30 hours is not like, oh, we made it this long. Therefore, it's amazing because so many hours it's, it, it takes as long as it takes. But we're trying to make sure that, you know, every lecture is 15, 20 minutes. We've really jam packed it with uh, the most essential things you need to know. Uh, and, and then, you know, so, you know, has got the papers and stuff attached as well. So you can do reading in your own time. But that valuable time you have watching someone, listening to someone, watching the video, we've got to make sure. How can we deliver this point to this dentist in the most efficient way possible and in a way that the dentist will feel confident to apply it Monday morning? And if they're still not confident, there's a discussion board below. They can comment to make sure that we're engaging because that's, that's the other part of it, right? I've been on so many occlusion courses. Once it's done, it's like, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I don't get any mentorship. I don't get to, to, to chat to anyone. Oh, I've got a case. Can you, you know, I, I feel bad emailing this, this guy who taught me like two years ago, occlusion, uh, 35 photos. And it's like, am I going about the right way? And that person's expected for free at that point because I paid for the course. That was two years ago for free to mentor. So what we got part of the course is mentorship and discussion groups and stuff and, 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 and a um, private Instagram account. We're going to keep people accountable and keep people posting and stuff. So it's a lot in terms of what's going to happen afterwards as well, which makes it what it is. Right. And that's so another do you, do you beauty have of it being online is, you know, we're hoping to be able to, to add and enhance it as we go. Mm. I was going to ask you that. Is, is the course kind of set or is it going to keep evolving over time, do you feel like? I think the principles are timeless. Occlusion, what, what we've recorded, we're really happy with. Uh, we've got really the core stuff on there that anyone, uh, including you know, one of my beta testers, actually gave access to a dent student in his fourth year to the content. And I said, listen, just watch this. And he literally messaged me the other day saying, Jazz, I finally understand what the pterygoids are. He's a fourth year dent student. Like, I finally get it, right? Like, he, I finally understand thanks to that video in module one or module two. Uh, and and so, so he gets that. So it's, it's timeless principles. It's 30 hours of that. The way we can enhance it now going forward is cases right we've got so many cases on there already but me and Mahmoud are very busy practitioners we're restorative dentists uh, and so as and when we've got an interesting case that can help the community 
then we're going to be adding it on, piling it on basically, making sure that they got more examples. Because if you can make a case bank that's growing month by month by month, that is going to be extremely valuable to, to actually show the application of the knowledge we're sharing. And there is a there is a growing trend now. The first online course I really interacted with was Dr. Neki Jamal's third yes. um, all is online. I know you've had him on your podcast as well. Yes, I actually think yes. I heard about him through your podcast, actually. So that's, that's it's a brilliant course. I've done yeah. it. And he's got so many different cases that you can go on uh, and, and, and see. And we, I wanted to emulate that in, 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 in a, OBAB as well. Is that OK? Mm. If you've got a class you give to patient and you're having this issue of Fremitus, here's a case that we did and here's how we solved it kind of thing. Watch yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I was going to say is that the best thing about his course is precisely a point you were mentioning is that if you've got a specific case, you can go to a specific uh, online lecture again and say, that one, I need to I need to listen to this again so that I can refresh before I see this patient. Do you feel like yours does the same thing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Do you do aligners, um, Harry? Not really. It's more the wife, but yeah, um, a little bit. But, but dentists who do uh, aligners, their biggest struggle is uh, managing the occlusion after aligners. I'm pretty sure that 99% of dentists, once they've, whatever occlusion ends up being, like after aligners, they put their retainers on and they pray that the patient doesn't get TMD uh, and the patient can chew comfortably and they won't mention the bite. That, that's, that's what happens, right? They just yeah. pray that everything will just bed in and settle in and they'll, they'll never see the patient again and, and, and that's good. Um, but what we teach is, okay, after aligners, there's some basic four-point checks you need to do to make sure we're happy with the occlusion, how to do selective grinding. Basic, I'm not saying mutilating the dentition, just selective grinding a little bit of restorative material or a little bit of pointy, useless piece of enamel to make sure they get a nice bite at the end. Uh, so instead of just praying, you can actually look at the uh, look at it as a science, right? Post aligner occlusion, these things like that, which I think are really going to make it uh, clear. And again, case by case by case, we can keep adding to that. One of the ways we've also tried to make it different is, you know, you, you do go on a lot of occlusions and uh, occlusion courses. You learn a lot of the theory, but we have tried to break it down into scenarios. You know, the thing Jan, you know, mentioned that word scenarios very very specifically. You know, like w when you want to add length to teeth, you know, people, a lot of people are adding a lot of length to teeth and they're just, again, praying things don't chip and don't break. But there are things you can do and things you can take into account. Actually, again, another phrase, uh, you know, jazz coin is make them unchippable. You, know, you, can, you can design it in a way to make it far less likely that it'll chip, uh, but you just need to know what you're doing. So we've targeted it in that way. So. You know you've got a case, you can lengthen teeth, you can go to the lengthening teeth series. It's not hard to find. You know, so it's, it's tangible, real-world stuff that you're going to use uh, rather than just definitions and, you know, airy-fairy stuff. And that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah that's really interesting because when I did the uh, – I did an online full arch implant dentistry course about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Now. Oh, it was more than two years ago now. And uh, a big part of that was mentorship as well, obviously. But one of the things that I said to the person before I signed up to the course was I want a way of doing full arch implant dentistry that is predictable over the long term. I don't want to just be able to do a case. I want it to last because I know that the amount of stress that I'm going to encounter as a clinician if these cases fail is going to be so high, I don't want to deal with it. So what you could just said there, no, I mean, what you've just said there is exactly the point is you don't want to just be doing advanced dentistry. You want to be doing advanced dentistry that lasts. So what you guys are preaching about occlusion, it seems like that's going to help people have a more predictably long-term successful outcome for the patient. Would you agree with that? Agreed. And we could have called this course, not OBAB, we could have called it the restorative dentistry course. We could have called it that and had the exact same content and people were like, oh yeah, this is restorative dentistry because we really believe that, you know, you, you, you need a bit of occlusion knowledge, just like you said at the beginning, Harry, to, to make it all fit together, make it look good and make it last and make it unchippable because that's what every restorative dentist wants. So it is essentially a restorative course, but we're just tr trying to teach you uh, how to um, apply the principles of occlusion. Mm. Yeah, and the cases are very important, you know, so for you to have reference points of actual cases that can almost mirror your cases that you're seeing in surgery. That, that sounds like it's going to be a course that's actually going to help you massively upskill and use things for your patients that are going to make you better. So it sounds awesome. And Harry, just to just add on to that, because you, you mentioned yep. it. And so the way that we wanted to do it is I want like um, I wanted dentists to have access to like a point of view video. So what I'm seeing through my loops is exactly what the dentist is seeing on the screen. And as I'm taking that rugby ball diamond and I'm attacking that blue dot, you know, you feel like you're, you're doing it. 
Mm. You know, the next step is now you're going to get your Oculus out and it's going to be uh, <laughs> virtual and like, you know, you're going to feel like you're bloody looking around the surgery and, you know, you, you have to drill the tooth. That's the next step in 10 years' time, you know, OBAB uh, virtual reality, OBAB VR 3D. version. OBAB 3D. <laughs> OBAB <laughs> VR, you know, but we're trying to make it as, as close as possible so that literally a five-year-old can figure out where to put the, the diamond burr, you know what I mean? So right. no one, no occlusion course shows you that. No occlusion course. The occlusion course is too conceptual. They leave too much to the imagination. I really told my mood we want to spell it out this is the burr sink it in like this that's what you got to do get the patient to bite it together this is the article paper you're using do you know what i mean <laughs> no I, I precisely know what you mean and there's a lot of courses out there i'm not i'm not throwing shade at anyone but it, it feels like they almost want you to be confused <laughs> uh so i'm glad to if hear you want to be less confused check out level two level three the continuum it never stops <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you finished that one off for me there, Jazz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was going to talk to you more about the business side. So we, we touched on this. So you guys, are, I don't want to get too technical, but are you guys like equal partners in this? And then how, how does that work from a business perspective? So do you, do you guys just say, right, we're, we're going to work completely together on this? Because it, you know, this is an equivalence, right? We're going to get a lot of situations with squat practice ownership where you get people or buying practices together and they're going to say, right, what tasks and responsibilities does this partner have? What tasks and responsibilities does this partner have? Everyone needs to feel like it's fair and equitable. How have you guys managed that? I think what I love about Mahmood, right, is that when I told him that we're going to do this course, right, not once did he ever uh, uh, say, Jazz, like, you know, um, is it going to be worth the time? Uh, how much, uh, how, you know, I'm putting so much time and energy. What's the level of expected income from this. He never, because I've I've got background in this from doing a couple of online courses. I know what to expect and whatnot. I know that the juice for me is worth the squeeze and how much time I'm putting in is going to be at the end. Not once did Mahmood ever say, you know what, how much is it going to sell for? Is it going to be profitable? How do you make sure that it's not a waste of time? Ever. So this, me this and him a just had a podcast. Harry's going to kick yeah, me off. <laughs> exactly. So Harry, like Mahmood really showed me that he has zero interest um, in the business side of it. He just wanted to put something together and be part of this project. And he's the only person I know that, that works like this. So really, from the beginning, we never even discussed about splits. We just literally went. We know that we're, we're equal partners. OK, and whatever comes our way in the future, we're just going to, you know, I, I trusted Mahmood that he was going to uh, match my energy and match my uh, sort of uh, uh, time commitment. And he certainly has done. Same with IAS. The, you know, there's a reason why I picked IAS because I know that the hard, one of the hardest working people I know, and I want, only want to work with hard working people, right? The kind of person who wakes up on a Sunday morning, voice notes me for about five minutes, right? About, about what is next uh, in terms of what we're going to do today to complete the course. And that's Prav Solanki. Right. Prav Solanki is the hardest working guy. Right. Um, I, I know. So I, I just made sure that everyone on this course was like the, the top of their game in terms of how much their work ethic is. And I think that is where it comes from. That's why we're all able to take an equal share and just be not even have to worry about is someone pulling their weight because it, it's not even a question. Yeah. I mean, Prav, I have a good relationship with Prav. I consider him a friend and uh you're completely right. The guy's an absolute machine. So, so, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, um, and it's really important, right, to surround yourself with people like that because you want to be around people anyway that are going to help you achieve what you want to achieve. And you don't have the time to be around people who are naysayers or going to drag you down. And how, how important has that been that the, there's been a shared philosophy, philosophy between you two as well? Yeah, I think it's been it's been paramount. I think um, we're also both very open-minded, which was which is sort of very helpful. Um, we're, we're happy to learn from each other and from others. Um, you know, there's implicit trust. I think trust is probably you know probably one of the most important things. You know, um, when you're going to business with someone or taking on any sort of endeavor, and um, I think without that, it would have been very difficult. <coughs> um, but yeah, I, I've always been afraid, Harry, of one of the reasons, one of the other reasons I haven't started a practice ever before is because I feel like, yeah, if I wasn't doing it, I'd want to do it by myself. But if I had a partner, which I think is it's nice to share responsibility, I'm very picky about who I work with. I just in, 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 in my previous life, in, in, you know, in any endeavor, academic and stuff, I was just 
I did too much of the work. I, so it's been a case where I was just work, work, work because I'm a workaholic and then people weren't able to match me and stuff. So I've always been afraid, but I've just been so happy with how Obab has gone in terms of working with Mahmood and Prav in terms of matching that sort of work ethic. And so the trust is there, the understanding is there uh, and uh, it, it's been a wonderful experience. It's been bloody tough, but I'm so glad I've had these two guys uh, on the team. So what, what gets you out of the bed in the morning? What gets you to make that Sunday uh, morning five-minute voice note? Like, what is it that we can touch on that is driving it? You know, that's the, the motivation. Jazz, I was, I'll let I was you answer, but you said, yeah. you said the word legacy once when we were talking about it, right? You could say that a bit, but one story that comes to mind, I was reading, um, I, think I, was, I think it was Steve Jobs' book. I, it was a book I was reading about Toy Story, about Pixar, about when they were making those films and the immense pressure that was felt by the animators, right? To the extent that one guy, um, he was at his desk and then it suddenly dawned on him that his kids were locked in his car for the last hour. He was supposed to drop them to school, but he forgot to drop them to school. He left his kids in the car. Because the deadline of Toy Story was uh, emerging and it was just such a huge thing. So we committed. We said, okay, here's what we got to do. If we don't set a real deadline, okay, we can easily just be like, you know what? It's, um, you know, Mahmood to use your time. You know what? It's Ramadan. We'll just take it easy. Oh, you know what is this? I tell you what, Mahmood's been working like a machine. Uh, Ramadan started and he's still a machine, right? So it's so easy to put things off. But once we said to IAS uh, over a year ago, I said, we are thinking of launching in this month, okay? And yes, it got delayed and delayed, delayed, it still did, okay? But we had to work towards a deadline because otherwise it would take forever. So having that deadline and working towards a goal and a deadline uh, was what kept us going. Mm. But you want to say, say about legacy, I think? No, uh, it's not as good a point as that. But yeah, I mean, Jazz, you know, has a whip just behind him. And uh, yeah, that's what he uses. <laughs> Every time we get on a call, he's like, okay, let's set the date for, for this. So like, okay, let's do it. You just got to do it, right? You, yeah. There's, there's the the expectation of someone you you trust and admire and who's you know willing to do this with you is there, so you then need to fulfil that. That's accountability, that's isn't it? Really? It. Yeah, yeah. And th this is a bit of a a different question, but I guess it's an obvious one: is what makes you both qualified to teach people about occlusion? Yeah, great question. Um, I, I think is the volume. So basically, like people say, oh, yeah, I've, I've done a course on inclusion. I can teach it. OK, it's not like that at all. It's been a passion of mine. Me and Mahmood are the geekiest people uh, you'll meet when it comes to, to occlusion. Uh, we've both done a lot of the similar courses, but he's also done some courses that I haven't done. But I've done some courses that he hasn't done. And together, we actually have a lot of background in terms of occlusion knowledge. My first five years, I don't think I can remember many weekends where I didn't, wasn't on a course. So not only is just occlusion, but just general being a learner. I'm a really, really I love learning. Okay. And that's why Protrusive Down Podcast came to be just sharing, uh, learning together kind of thing. So I'm, I'm an avid learner. Plus also having a background in, in education in me and having a PG cert in dental education, which means nothing, by the way. The certificate means absolutely F, FA, right? means nothing at all. But it, it just shows that from early on, I was thinking, okay, I love doing this. As far back as first year of dental school, Harry, um, one of my buddies, he failed um, his first year and he had to do uh, resits in the summer. Uh, and then he said to me, Jazz, if you can help me pass my first year, because he saw that I was academically doing all right. He said, can you help me pass my first year? If you help me first pass my first year, I'll take you to Korea and Japan for free. I'll take you. I was like, okay. So I ditched my family holiday in Switzerland with my parents uh, and I stayed behind that summer uh, and I helped him to pass his first year. Fast forward three years, he took me to an all expenses play trip to Korea and Japan. I stayed with his parents in Korea and stuff. So um, uh, you know, it, 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 teaching was always like something I wanted to do. Even from then, I was just teaching this guy how to pass first year. But I was always uh, enjoyed um, that, that that feeling of sharing. Awesome. So, do you do you feel from the content creation side, it feels like you've got a bit of pizzazz, a bit of flair for this jazz? You know, the the the, the content creation. You know, I, I referenced that awesome uh, social media marketing video you guys have done where you've got a wig. I don't know if it's you singing, but if it is, you're doing a great job. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just there. That's my other live shows that I do sometimes. <laughs> I, think you, I think you enjoy wearing that wig too much there. Too. <laughs> I've had someone from Australia message the other day saying, Jazz, um, I almost didn't do your occlusion course, but then I found the, the video of you singing and I was like, I have to do it. So, so yeah, it's, it's got a lot of uh, people admiring uh, that, that music video. <laughs> So I, I really find it interesting. I talked to Lancashire Smiles and he's had a YouTube channel for a while. And I really, yeah. really find it interesting 
because you've got a lot of dentists who have this creative side that they're managing to do through the career, right? So where did that start with you, Jazz? Where did that creativity start? You, you mentioned that you shot videos and stuff when you were younger. Yeah, so uh, I was at my nan's house and I was like seven years old and my, my, my uncle, my mamaji, my uncle had uh, a computer back then and he had this like basic webcam software. He's like, you know, you pop bubbles and stuff like that. So I used to make funny videos and I was like six, seven years old. Uh, uh, maybe it was eight actually. And then so my cousins would come from America and we make these home movies. So just background of making home movies and all the editing was up to me and stuff. And then uh, fast forward many years in uh, high school, I did our Leavers video and whatnot in year 11. And I used to make funny videos throughout sixth form and stuff and YouTube wasn't even a thing I actually got in trouble uh, I, I had to go to the principal's office headmaster's office one day uh, because what they did is they typed in the name of the school right in YouTube uh, and they, what, what you would find if you type in the name of the school is a video of, a, of, of one of my mates throwing a dead rat at me uh, and I had a cricket bat and I smashed oh, yes. um, the, the rat and then stupidly um, I gave the title you know XY school um, funny wow. video <laughs> You know, stupid things you do when you're like uh, you know, 16, 17, right? So uh, even from then, like I was creating content. <laughs> so and then at dental school, we had these review, these funny videos we'd make. We had so much fun. Like if you type in Oral D, not Oral B, Oral D on YouTube and see some of the funny videos we used to make back then. So I just I knew that I wanted to combine uh, my passion of making videos and humor and stuff uh, with my passion of occlusion, which is the thing I love the most in dentistry, because that is for me predict predict predictability in restorative dentistry. So I guess that's how it came to be for me. And Mahmood, with your teaching flow, did you ever see yourself coming to this point where you'd be doing an online course? Because you said you had an interest in teaching before. Um, <clears throat> not necessarily an online course, but you know, I've, I've always wanted to teach. And then, especially for me, similar to jazz, like occlusion is, is my favorite topic. The way I came about it was probably a little bit different in terms of uh, our trajectories. Although I see it maybe as, as fate, like, because the first five years of my career, I absolutely hated dentistry. I didn't want to be a dentist. Uh, I wanted to do anything but dentistry. And then about, um, you know, I discovered something called Dental Town. And um, for me, it was really about, okay, well, if I'm stuck doing this for a while, I, I better get good at it. And um, yeah, from then on, I started just consuming absolutely everything I could find. Uh, and occlusion really struck a chord with me because um, in terms of sort of growing up and going to school and stuff, physics has always been like my favorite topic, uh, favorite subject and managing forces, um, you know, tension, all these things that you look at in occlusion intuitively made sense to me. So I've always gravitated towards that. And then you start thinking, okay, I want to do more interesting dentistry. But then when you start looking up, you find a lot of people talking about occlusion. You think, well, I don't want to learn about occlusion. I'll learn about veneers. But then you have very smart people saying, well, you can't do the veneers without them breaking if you don't know about occlusion. So I avoided a lot of early failures by finding out that, okay, you need to learn about this occlusion stuff. But then I went down some serious rabbit holes. I did a master's in restorative in 2017. That's when my first kid was born. That was, that was a long, long two years. Um, but literally, you know, I'd probably, once the kids gone to bed, I'd spend maybe three hours reading papers, textbooks, even uh, we, we did an online occlusion course way back when right in like 2014 2015 like um Stephen Phelan we did his uh, online course uh but, but way back when basically so we we experienced that you can learn occlusion online and stuff like that as well uh and so we've just taken that to the next level now I believe I you know no offense to Stephen Phelan we learned a lot from him but what we have uh, packaged now is is something that is uh yeah a, a different level you know that reflects 2023 and Mahmoud, I just wanted to unpack one thing you said. You said that you were not very keen on dentistry for, for five years or so. What made you stick with it that long? Then? <laughs> what, for the five years? Because I yeah, failed yeah. at everything else I tried to do. <laughs> I tried to get into like IT web design, you know, like uh, all the, oh, know, right, it, was, right. it was becoming easier and easier to do. You know, you just have to learn WordPress and, and use some plugins and stuff like that. Uh, but none of it really could. I mean, we're very lucky as dentists when you think about it. Like you get to do a job where, you know, you're, you're helping people. You're earning really well. You're in control in terms of, you know, your, what you want to do a lot of the time. You can, you can gear your career in a, in a particular direction. Um, whereas with, with the other things, you know, I, I did try, but um, that wasn't my education. It wasn't my training. And since, you know, uh, I, I came back to my senses in a way and realized, okay, I spent five years getting this degree, um, 
what can I do to make myself enjoy it? And I found, for me at least, it wasn't necessarily the procedure as such. It was more, can I look at it afterwards and be proud of it? Can I look at it and think, okay, I did that to the best of my ability and, you know, within reason to the best of what is available. Um, that really got me going. So once I found what I sort of what feeling triggered, um, you know, the happiness or the, or the desire to do more in me, I just focused on, on getting that. Right. So there's two kind of, thank you for that, Mahmoud. And there's two kind of avenues I want to build on now. We're getting towards the, the last stretch of the podcast. So one thing I want to talk about is linked to what Mahmoud talked about, but I'm going to talk about that afterwards. First, I want to talk about marketing. Okay. So the approach to marketing this course, not many people realize how much effort goes into actually marketing things like this. And you guys are most likely going international with this, especially because of the profile that you've already got. So how has that strategy worked and, and how much uh, bandwidth, how much thought has gone into the marketing side of, of the course as well? So I've been studying marketing because, I mean, it's a bit like all of dentistry, right? You can be the best dentist ever. You can have the nicest cram preps, but unless you can communicate well with your patients and then get them to understand their goals, for them to understand the value of the treatment, right? So in the same principle being applied, right? If we had what we believe in our hand on heart, I think it's the best piece of uh, educational content inclusion ever, honestly. I've done all these, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that. I'm happy to put my neck on the line here and say that. And then if I'm that proud of it, and if I don't market it the way I have done, it will be an absolute travesty. It will be an absolute travesty, right? Uh, so I knew that I had to, to, to market it well. And so that's where, A, I mean, I've got a lot of background now in terms of launching some courses and stuff already. So I know that you know, if people don't know about it, who's going to take it? So they had that background already. Uh, but then also knowing that we're so busy and engrossed with this that if we teamed up with, with Prav, and Prav, uh, and we showed uh, Tiff Qureshi, he was a beta tester, and we got Tiff's blessings that he, you know, someone I really respect, we really respect Tiff, and said, if Tiff, no, only attach your name to it if you love it, and he messaged us saying, holy, holy crap, this is brilliant, uh, yes, we want it, want it as part of the IAS ecosystem, we agreed terms, and so then Prav came along, and, you know, um, it, it's, it's been great working with him, we've got a very similar sense of humor, uh, I like, uh, what I love about Prav is that him being a marketing genius himself, he's been very good at listener to us, because I've got some things, that strategies that worked in the past as well, and so we, we've, we've come together, the whole music video thing was, you know, I just surprised Mahmood and uh, Prav with it one day as a, like, hey guys, listen to this. And they're like, what the hell is this? Amazing kind of thing. So yeah, you know, you got to make things fun. You got to make things quirky. You got to grab attention because honestly, if, if we didn't do this, then it'd be a real shame. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you, you're completely right. And this is, this definitely ties into people's dentistry as well. You, if you've invested the time and effort to get good at what you're doing, it's kind of a travesty. Like you mentioned, if you're not putting yourself out there so patients actually know what you can do. You know, so I would encourage all dentists out there to really ramp up their marketing. And you've just mentioned a good way of doing it. Prof. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Little, free ad, little free ad for Prav there, you know. <laughs> P.S. He's a good guy to know. That's his slogan. I love it. <laughs> All right. And, and my, kind of, my last question, which kind of links in with what Mahmoud was talking about, about that five-year trajectory and starting to get this positive affinity for dentistry eventually. I was actually in the same boat. Uh, Mahmoud, I was in the same boat. I hated dentistry all the way through dental school. I was fighting it. I was fighting it. And my turning point was 2017 when I did an implant course. And then, then I really I turned on a pivot, you know, and then I, uh, I love this, right? So um, I, I can definitely appreciate that side of it. So what would your advice be to a lot of young dentists? I feel it's very difficult for young dentists now. They're getting bombarded by things on social media, the types yeah. of work that they should be doing and that they could be doing. And it's almost like they get almost in a trap where they feel like they should be doing that work now. Right. So what, what's your what would both of you I'd appreciate your advice for for younger dentists and what approach you'd advise them taking? You go first. Well, I think initially um, you, you need to get good at talking to patients. Okay, that's probably very, very important. Get good talking to patients and then really figure out what your I know it's so cliched, right? Like find out what your why is, but like find out what gives you that feeling at the end of the day of. I enjoyed that, or I'm happy that I did that. Um, and, but you can only do that by exposing yourself to a lot of dentistry, right? So if all you're seeing is, you know, all the composites, massive smile makeovers and stuff like that, and you're comparing yourself 
to that. That's, that's not the right time to do it. Um, but get a mentor. Get a mentor who can guide you and help you. Um, because if a lot of us, you know, if we're faced with a lot of failure, and sometimes, like, even for me, like, even now, like, you know, you'll get a week where there's, like, two or three things very similar will go wrong, like, one after the other. And you think, am I just not cut out to do this? Am I just rubbish? But then you have to, like, think, okay, actually, the past six months have been fine. Something's, something's up. But find a mentor that can guide you um, and help you figure out what it is you like and what it is you don't like and, and walk you through those difficult times because, you know, doing it by yourself is hard. But if you have a mentor you can trust, I think that's uh, so valuable. I think ignore the noise. I think um, there's so much noise on there. These dentists feel pressured to. Everyone has to do Invisalign. Everyone has to do bonding, etc. Get the basics right. Learn how to take teeth out, for Christ's sake. Yeah, learn how to take teeth out properly, firstly. Learn to diagnose caries and sort that out properly. Uh, and then from there, do high-volume dentistry at the beginning. Because the more reps you get in, the better you get, the more patient exposures you get. Then, you know, you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your Prince Charming. You find out, okay, actually, I do like implants, or I do like endo, or I do like just being a generalist. I want to, I like the business side, I want to start a practice, whatever it might be. But then constantly, always be working on the edge of your, I guess, comfort level. So it's still within your comfort zone, but at the very edge of it. And the mentorship, like Mamu said, will help you to cross that edge so that you can do it in a safe way and not have too many cock-ups to, that are irrecoverable. So, because uh, you're going to have cock-ups, you're going to perforate, I've perforated, I've done uh, things I, I regret in that regard because that's part of learning. It's a practice of dentistry. But uh, when you have mentorship and you have um, uh, the patient's best interest at heart and you're a good communicator, you can get yourself out of some holes sometimes, it really helps. And I think a lot of dentists now as well, both of you got great points there. I think a lot of people get in a little cycle of beating themselves up as well. With like, I should be doing this, I should be at this level. I think just um, regulating your self-talk and how you're talking to yourself and, your, and the narrative you're creating in your mind is always a good little thing as well. Now, both of you are innovators and you've proven that because you've made the best occlusion course ever online, right? So you're oh, in yeah. that innovator category. It's called the Dental Innovator Podcast. So how do you see dentistry how do you see it innovating over the next couple of years? What do you think are going to be the big innovations that are going to happen within the next few years in dentistry? I mean, AI, it's got to be AI, right, or... Mahmoud? <laughs> Not occlusion this time. Not everything's occlusion, Mahmoud. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's really some cool stuff coming out there as well. Um, you know, all the 3D tracking and stuff. But yeah, I think you're right. AI, AI is going to probably um, have a massive influence on diagnosis, treatment planning, um, for better or for worse, I think you know. Initially, there's going to be a lot of teething issues, but yeah, I think AI is going to get massive. What do you think, Jazz? Yeah, same thing. You know, we already are using AI for like you know radiographic analysis and reading radiographs. You know, even the very basic level. Um, how to use technology to save more time to better serve our patients uh, and i think this is just you know we're, we're just uh, at the, scratching the surface of all this so i think the future is very exciting so as a practice owner you should be seeing you know you, you're getting a lot of uh, different companies and products uh, available to you to f improve your f uh, systems and whatnot um i think you're going to get a lot of choice fatigue even things like bots chatbots and whatnot everyone seems to have a chatbot nowadays right and five years ago no one had a chatbot everyone's got chatbots nowadays so little things in terms of how to make your practice replacing, not replacing, but enhancing your receptionist and whatnot. Uh, it's so much to be done in, in both uh, the management side and the dental side, I think. Awesome. Yeah, I agree with you. And those systems should hopefully make out better treatment options, better systems so that patients get more predictable levels of care. But I think we do have to be careful as well, you know, uh, as Mahmoud said, that we're not moving too fast away from using the noggin, you know, uh, to plan out cases and things like that. Any, anything else that you guys want to talk about? Because I'm, I'm looking to wrap this up now, if, if that's all right. Uh, no. No. I've enjoyed the chat very much, mate. It's, yeah. it's, it's been good to be on the Dental Innovator, mate. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate it, and I hope you all enjoyed listening. Uh, thank you so much. And, and, guys, you've got to check out the online course. For anyone who's living under a rock, where do they find the online course, and how do they go? <laughs> Occlusion.online. It's that easy, right? It's an online occlusion course on occlusion.online. Uh, do you have a, a jingle? Do you finish with a jingle, Harry, usually? Do you have like an uh, outro jingle? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may wish to put the dots and lines MP3 song for, for your listeners to enjoy if you'd like. No, I, I'm up for it, yeah. I'm up for it. Is, it, is that the one you singing? With the, you know? uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. obviously paid someone to sing. I didn't sing myself. I wish I had a voice like that. But yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> it's my lyrics, though. It's my lyrics. Yeah, he literally wrote all the lyrics himself. But I I'm promise not, it wasn't like, chat GPT, it was me, I promise. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I believe really. it. <laughs> <laughs> chat oh, GPT wouldn't make it that cheesy. At first I was confused, I was mystified. Kept thinking I could unpredictably raise my patient's vibe. But I spent so much time and money just learning dots and lines only to find. That it just boggled my mind So now they're back My mood and jazz They just walked in to find you here With that confusion on your face They will challenge your beliefs Your whole philosophy So they can break down occlusion for you All so simply Come on now, go Go on and roll The doors are open now Occlusion can't hurt you Thanks for listening. Please leave a positive review and share the podcast to your circle. If you'd like to touch base with Dr. Harry Gill or inquire about mentoring, email the Dental Innovator Podcast at gmail.com. Well, there we have it, guys. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Harry Gill from the Dental Innovator Podcast. Thanks so much, Harry, for having us on. Do support Harry if you like his style. If you're looking to become a practice owner, he teaches and covers themes around starting a squat practice. That is his real niche. So if that's you, do check out Harry and all the amazing work he's doing. Otherwise, we're so excited to open the doors for OBAB. So now you know the behind the scenes kind of stuff to make this happen. But we're super proud of it. Honestly, we're super proud of it. And we can't wait for you to join us. For those listening on the podcast today on either the app or on Spotify. Thanks so much for making it all the way to the end. And we'll catch you next week for more educational goodness. Uh, Like I said, Rochette Bridges, temporary implant solutions, that kind of stuff. You'll love it.